here is singer-songwriter, broadcaster, audio-video artist, entertainment agent, and your host for the Dharmic Evolution. It's the master storyteller himself, James Kevin O'Connor. Welcome back again, everybody, to the Dharmic Evolution. Hey, if you're digging this show, please subscribe to this show. So when a new episode comes out, it comes right to your phone. You can do that very easily by going to dharmicevolution.com and just select your favorite platform. Most people are digging Spotify, but if you like Apple or Pandora, whatever you like, you can sign up right there. Hey, we've got an amazing man today who teaches proven strategies to improve organizational performance, create effective leadership, increase team cohesion, collaboration, and develop winning mindsets, rituals, and routines. A successful business owner and veteran basketball performance coach, he spent 15 years working with the highest performing athletes on the planet, including NBA superstars Kevin Durant, Stephen Curry, and Kobe Bryant. In his corporate keynote programs and workshops, he reveals how to utilize the same approaches in business that elite athletes use to perform at a world-class level. He delivers practical lessons that can be implemented immediately. Do you want to be a high performer? Well, you better strap up your seatbelts because we're taking a ride today from the Music City on the Dharmic Evolution with Alan Stein Jr. Alan, it's a pleasure to have you on the Dharmic Evolution. Welcome today, my friend. No, I'm excited to be here. I'm so thankful to connect with you. Yeah, um, what a brand. Uh, learned so much and really enjoyed uh, you know, digging into what you've built uh, over the, the path of your career. And, and there's so many cool things. And um, I want to start with how you got connected to the space that you're in. I know you did it through basketball. Um, that seemed to be, you know, what led to the trail to where you are now but had you any idea when you started like coaching basketball that that you would end up in this space you know what's interesting is uh, I would say it was probably a decade ago that I was working at a camp, uh, camp called the NBA Players Association Top 100 Camp where they brought in the top 100 high school prospects uh, and had them mentored by a variety of NBA players and coaches. And I remember at that time, they brought in a professional speaker, uh, a gentleman named Walter Bond, who's a, a really renowned keynote speaker still to this day. Uh, he was a former NBA player and he gave, you know, at the time, the most captivating talk that I've ever heard. I mean, he was giving it, it was directed at the players at the camp, but I was kind of sitting in the background as a fly on the wall. And I just remember being blown away, um, you know, during this hour talk, just the emotional roller coaster that he took us on. I mean, we we laughed, we cried, we fought. Uh, I mean, it was really amazing. And I remember then that a, a seed got planted in me that I might want to do that one day, that, you know, the ability to be able to share something worthwhile to others that could have a positive impact on their life, especially through spoken word. It just really resonated with me that day. And, and I thought, you know, that may be me at some point. Um, but then kind of put that idea on the shelf and got right back in the gym and kept doing the basketball performance training. Uh, but it always kind of been in the back of my mind. And I've always had such a fascination and admiration and respect for performers of any sorts. I mean, musicians and actors and certainly stand-up comedians and speakers. Um, so it's, I think that was the day that the seed was planted. Uh, but I don't think I could have forecasted it back then, you know, exactly when and where that would have transpired. 
Do you did you originally feel like um, pro basketball was a calling for you? Is that how like you you seem to really have the bug for for basketball was your jam, right? Did you yeah. feel like you were going to be an NBA player at some point, and then your well, path changed? When I was really young, you know, when you're when you're really young in, in elementary school and you live, you have such a narrow view of the world, you know, uh, uh, even more so back when I was a kid. I mean, I, I just turned 44 last week. Uh, so, you know, I grew up pre-internet where really you only knew what was going on in your neighborhood. And, you know, I was one of the better basketball players in my neighborhood and the best player at my middle school and then high school and, and was thinking that's probably good enough to make it on the big stage until I just realized how big the world is and how many other people there were out there playing basketball. So by the time I got to high school, I think the writing was on the wall that I wasn't going to be a professional player, uh, but I still knew how much I loved the game and wanted to see how far the game could take me. Uh, I was able to play at a school down in North Carolina, uh, Elon University, and had a great time doing that, but certainly knew that you know, when my days at Elon were over, that my playing career competitively was going to be over as well. But I still had such an affinity for the game that I wanted to stay involved. And that was when I also started to develop an equal love for the performance training and the strength and conditioning and fitness side of basketball. And just figured when I graduated, what could be better than marrying my two loves of basketball and performance training and starting a career as a strength and conditioning coach. So I, I kind of dove headfirst into that and really didn't look anywhere else for almost 20 years until I made this switch over to the corporate speaking. Wow. You know, and before we get to like the Kobe Bryant story, because I want to ask you about that's so fascinating. Um, you know, talk about taking, you know, fundamentals to the level that no one else does. And I learned so much from that, that one speech that you did, um, you know, about that scenario and about that experience you had. Um, but when you were, um, you know, going into this space, like back, you know, when you're starting to develop and get these ideas, were there certain thought leaders that you followed, not necessarily um, in sports, but thought leaders who like had an impact on your path that, um, that were like, for instance, you know, there's the Tony Robbins and Brendan Burchards and people like that. Um, were there any of those people or similar that you followed that had an impact on your development? Absolutely. And you just named two of them uh, for sure. You know, even when I was in the direct basketball space, um, I was still constantly consuming, you know, I guess what we call personal development or self-help resources, uh, as you mentioned, somebody like a Tony Robbins or a Brendan Bruchard. Uh, so I was devouring books, uh, watching every video I could, uh, always going to conferences and things that were outside of the basketball world. And I've always been a big believer uh, that in order to get really good at your specific craft, you should step outside of that to draw inspiration and to learn from other crafts. Um, you know, now as a, a professional speaker, uh, two of the things that I draw the most inspiration from uh, are uh, hip hop and stand up comedy. You know, they're, they're both uh, very different art forms from being a professional corporate speaker, uh, but both rely on spoken word to paint a picture, to provide imagery, uh, to shift your emotions, to get you to act and think and do differently. So, um, uh, yeah, I, I study those crafts because I think both of them have certain nuances with, uh, you know, the way they, they vary their tone and inflection and their physicality and their body language, uh, their rhythm and the way they speak. 
so I've always tried to step outside of that. So I've long been um, immersed in the self-help personal development space. And so, yeah, there have been tons of people that have mentored me, uh, some in person and people that I have friendships with. And then some like someone like a Tony Robbins, who I've never met, but certainly whose work and legacy has had a profound impact on me creating my own perspective and developing my own convictions and philosophy on how I see the world. Yeah, you know, you just mentioned um, stand-up comedy to me is, I always said the two bravest things you can do is stand up with a guitar all by yourself and and perform a song and really connect with people. And I do that in, in my world. However, I always said that the real <laughs> the real game is stand-up comedy because you got nothing to hide behind and you're up there with no net. And I always had such admiration for people who, who do this and do it so well. And um, like you were saying earlier, how you take different things from different worlds. And, and I think I do the same thing. Um, I've kind of uh, modeled the same approach that you have is, is listening to thought leaders, going out to seminars, reading books, devouring podcasts, learning everything you can, even though I'm sort of in the music space, yeah. all these other things serve you so well, like to be connected to them because they're all part of our social culture. And we want to know what's going on if we're going to be an effective um, you know, person in, in our world to, to kind of influence people. So your influence, um, you learned all these things and you started to develop this path. Um, when it started to like really connect with you about like when you, when you got to the, why don't we do the Kobe Bryant story now? Because I think this is just amazing. People need to hear this. Can you tell us how you first got connected to him and then give us the, the story, what happened with his, his training? Absolutely. Well, uh, back in 2007, Nike basketball flew me out to Los Angeles to work the first ever Kobe Bryant Skills Academy. And uh, I know you said you have a very thorough music background, so I don't know how many of your listeners follow basketball closely. Uh, but let me just paint the picture that in 2007, I mean, Kobe was the best player in the game. And having grown up in this basketball bubble, you know, basketball was my first identifiable passion. Uh, I'd always heard this urban legend of how insanely intense Kobe's individual workouts were. Well, now that I found myself on his camp staff, you know, I figured this was the best chance I'd have to, to watch one. So I went up to him one day at camp and asked if I could watch one of his private workouts. I remember him being so kind and so gracious and saying, sure, man, no problem. I'm going tomorrow at four. And I immediately got confused because I had just got done looking through the camp schedule. And the camp schedule clearly said that the first workout with the players was the following day at 3.30. And I think Kobe recognized that confused look on my face, and he clarified that by making sure I knew that was 4 a.m. Well, you know, there's not really a, an excuse in the world that on why you can't be somewhere at 4 in the morning. So I pretty much committed myself to being there. And I figured if I was going to be there anyway, I may as well try and impress Kobe. You know, I'm a young coach. So let me go ahead and leave my mark on this future Hall of Famer. Uh, so I made the decision to try and beat him to the gym. So I set my alarm for 3 a.m., the alarm goes off. I jump up. I quickly get dressed. I hop in a taxi and I head to the gym. And when I get to the gym uh, and I step out of the cab, I mean, it's 3.30 in the morning. So, of course, it's pitch black. And yet I can see that the gym light was already on. Uh, and even from the parking lot, the moment I step out of that cab, I could even hear a ball bouncing and sneakers squeaking. And I walked in the side door. Kobe was already in a full sweat. Not only did I not beat him, he had already been there putting in work, going through a really intense warm-up before his actual scheduled workout with his trainer started at four. Uh, out of professional courtesy and probably a little bit of shyness, I didn't say anything to him. I just sat down to watch. 
And I just remember for the first 45 minutes, I was blown away. I was so shocked at the fact that he was doing the most basic footwork and offensive moves. You know, here I am thinking that the best player in the world is going to be in the gym doing a whole bunch of, of sizzle and some sexy moves and some high-level stuff. And he was really focused on the basics and the fundamentals. And his whole workout now it lasted several hours. And when it was over, I didn't say anything to him again. I just left. But my curiosity eventually got the best of me because I had to know. Uh, so I went up to him later that day at camp and said, Kobe, you know, I don't get it, man. You're the best player in the world. Why do you do such basic drills? And once again, he was very gracious and kind, but he said with all seriousness, why do you think I'm the best player in the world? Because I never get bored with the basics. He said, I never get bored with the basics. And I just remember, I couldn't believe that the best player in the world and someone that had truly mastered his specific craft said his secret is that he never gets bored with the basics. And while that may sound very obvious to people, it, it, I mean, it was just such an epiphanal, life-changing moment for me. It's because when I realized that just because something's basic, it doesn't mean that it's easy. People often use those words interchangeably, and they're not synonyms. Uh, just because something's basic, it doesn't mean that it's easy. If it was easy, everyone else would be doing it. Um, and, and you and your listeners know that we live in a culture today that's always telling us to look for shortcuts and to look for hacks. It's always telling us we should be chasing something that's new and shiny and sexy and just skip over what's basic. And I found in my personal life, anytime I've skipped over something, I skip over the basics, I soon regret it because the basics work. They always have and they always will. And, and I firmly believe that the very first step to being a high performer, whether it's basketball or it's music or business, it's to admit that the basics work, but it's also having the humility to acknowledge that implementing the basics every single day is definitely not easy. Yeah, it's, um, it reminds me of, uh, there's this great book that was out a while ago. Darren Hardy wrote a book called The Compound Effect. Yes, um, brilliant book. Yeah, isn't it? it was, and, you know, I try to te you know, share that with people when the, the opportunity comes up that if you just take, um, you know, tiny little things that you do in your day, um, for me, it's always getting up early, always, yeah. you know, and having the regimen of, and it goes back to what you're saying about the fundamentals, the basics are what builds, you know, the life, if you will. Absolutely. And, and you can, you can really, um, appreciate and enjoy that process. Um, like you said about Kobe, he, he likes, you know, he likes that practice because yes. it's doing something for him and he knows that and he knows he's, you know, it could be the tiniest little uh, you know, micro moves that he's noticing that no one else in a million years would say, that's the same shot you're doing over and over. But to him, it's not. He right. knows exactly where that ball is and, you know, how he thrust it with his wrist. And, you know, we can break it down all day long. But those are the reasons, I think, why we do these things. Absolutely. Alan, let me ask you about, um, do, do you have like three, um, what are the three things that you think are the most um, important things for building a brand day to day, um, three things that people should be paying attention to um, uh, in their daily life that they kind of just forget about, like going back to fundamentals, no matter what business it is, you know, just a couple of things that people should start to focus in and say, I I'm missing this all the time. I'm just blowing past this and I'm not paying attention to it. Well, the first you just teed up perfectly uh, with everything you just sh shared, which was so insightful is, um, 
people need they, they need a daily practice or they need a routine. Um, you know, they, they have to have some type of consistency. Uh, I'm a big believer that consistency and high performance go hand in hand and they feed each other. So th this is not about me prescribing that everyone needs to get up early or that everyone should work out or that everyone should meditate. That's for each person listening to make a decision for themselves. But you need to have some type of consistent practice and protocol and routine that you follow daily. Uh, you don't want to live your life in a haphazard fashion. Uh, I found that the bookends of the day, the first 60 minutes when we wake up and the last 60 minutes before we go to bed tend to be a great time to implement a good portion of this routine because usually the sandwich in between there, the meat during the day um, can be very chaotic and we have less control over that time, especially depending on what type of business you run or what work you're in. Um, but you have more control in the mornings and evenings and I recommend that people do things in those times that fill their bucket uh, mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, if appropriate to them. But they do things that allow them to be their best self, uh, because in order for your business to thrive or you to get good at your craft, you have to work relentlessly on becoming your best self. And in order to do that, you have to make sure your bucket is always full. So I would say the first thing is coming up with some type of daily practice to fill your own bucket so that you can be of the most service to the rest of the world. Um, then what I would say would piggyback on that is regardless of what type of business you're in, uh, whether it's a service-based business, a product, uh, whether it's online, no matter what, you need to focus on relationships. That relationships are the number one currency in business. Uh, and I do recognize that the world is moving towards digitization and becoming more automated. And I keep hearing about all the AI and how robots are going to take us all over in 30 <laughs> years. But relationships are the most important part of any business. You know, even if you are a product-based business, an online business, and all you do is ship widgets, you still have to have a component of service because the expectation is so high now that people expect outstanding customer service. Um, and you have to value those relationships. You have to value the relationship you have with yourself. You have to value the relationship with your coworkers and colleagues. And then you absolutely have to value the relationship you have with um, the customers or clients that you serve. And then I'd say the third one is a commitment to always being open and humble enough to be coachable and always continuing to learn um, and be open to a variety of different services that the moment you think you've arrived and the moment you think you're done and that you've won, it's actually the opposite. That's the moment you're going to start losing and going to start regressing. So uh, being open and constantly searching for new ways to do things, I think will keep you sharp and also keep you invigorated. And, and I think if most people would implement those three mindsets, they'll see very, very positive returns on that. Yeah, coaching, um, you know, that's a big one. And when I first heard that, and thank you for those three people, you know, I hope you guys wrote those down because <laughs> I'm constantly on top of musicians who are, <clears throat> you know, the artists, artists are not the best organized people. And I'm always trying to help that and, you know, them shore up their game, you know, for yeah. to, because they need that so badly. But um, getting back to Tony Robbins, when I first discovered he had a coach, I was shocked, you know. And um, but for those who have never experienced coaching, I think I think it's such a valuable, um, you know, piece of your life that you should really seriously uh, consider. I mean, I've been getting coached for years. I'm off right now. I'm not presently, but I'll go back to it at some point because I firmly believe in it. I believe in coaching others and I believe um, being coached is really important. Um, when I'm, you I'm the exact same way. 
You know, yeah. the, the very first decision that I made after spending 20 years as a coach, uh, the very first decision I made when I decided to become a professional speaker was I hired a speaking coach. Uh, when I decided that I was going to write my book, Raise Your Game, I hired a writing coach and then even hired a co-author because I knew he had a skill set that I simply didn't have. Um, uh, I was having some uh, financial issues previously in my life. I, I guess you could sum it up by saying I haven't always made the most responsible financial decisions. So I decided to hire, hire I call him my financial coach. I mean, he's technically a, a wealth manager and a wealth advisor, uh, but I refer to him as coach because he coaches me on the best decisions to make and the best daily practices to have to be financially free one day. So in any area that I want to be excellent or extraordinary in, I hire a coach, uh, someone that will hold me accountable and someone that can help me see the blind spots that I'm simply not privy to. And uh, as you just said so brilliantly, uh, those things are the biggest difference makers. You know, the more I'm in this space, the more I learn about it and experience. I'll give you just a real quick story. I had a guy on Matt O'Ree from, uh, he's South Jersey, fabulous guitar player. Guitar Center had a contest. He won it out of 4,000 guitarists. So he's in Chicago wow. getting the money and all the stuff and he gets a phone call and it's from uh, Patty Springsteen saying, you know, Bruce's wife saying, could you teach our son guitar lessons? So he, he's teaching the kid guitar lessons, Bruce's son. And he asks him, can I have one of your songs, some of your music? Because he's in the studio working on something. So long story short, Bruce sees him in the driveway one day and says, I love that song. And he turns out the son played it for the father. Long story oh. short, he ends up in the studio with Bruce and Bruce sharing lead vocals and lead guitar with Matt. Who, Matt is just amazing. And, and that all goes back to coaching, teaching, because some guy years ago said to Matt, you ought to teach guitar. And he said, why? Yeah. He goes, well, because it, it'll bring opportunities to you. It absolutely will. And, and you know, I'll take that a step further. And I, boy, I love that story. That's powerful. Uh, <laughs> The only way you can really get good at your craft and have true mastery is if you can teach it to others and, and be able, you know, one thing that I've learned is when you're coaching others, you have to have such a firm command over your own skill sets and mindsets and, and what it is that you're doing. Um, because a, a novice student will ask you questions that you probably haven't thought about for years and you'll feel exposed if you're not fully prepared to be able to teach that. So I, I think uh, one of the major keys to mastery of anything is the ability to teach it. And, and one thing that I think is neat about that story is that Bruce Springsteen is basically hiring someone else to teach his son how to play guitar, which is super cool because I know I'm going to have to do the same thing with my children. You know, I spent 20 years working with elite level basketball players and I'm going to have to hire a trainer to train my own children in basketball because at some point they're going to tune me out because I'm just yeah, dad. You right. know, what does dumb old dad know about <laughs> basketball? And I'm okay with that. Because I have the humility to acknowledge that what's most important is that they get the best instruction. It doesn't matter if it comes from me or not. And if because of just the way kids are, it's probably not best if it comes from me, then I will invest in coaches for my children for the same reason that, that you and I invest, invest in coaches for ourselves. It's it's so true. And it, what goes around comes around. My, my son... Uh, He's a singer-songwriter also, and he works out of Austin, Texas, and he graduated Oneonta. So when he came out, I never studied theory. I always had the blessing of gift, and I could hear things and write and everything. Yeah. So I started going to him, <laughs> and he was my music coach and tutor, you know. Uh, so he was teaching me music theory all these years later. So I said, you know, my mother didn't raise any stupid children. I'm going to get my value back out of that college education. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, that's awesome to hear. Yeah. I love to hear parenting stories that come full circle. Yeah.
Alan, let me ask you about, um, is there a best uh, demographic um, that resonates with you, certain audiences, uh, women, men, age, um, anything in particular where you feel that your message is most suited and, and most revered and received? Most certainly. And, and the reason I found this was I, I took a very trial and error approach intentionally. Uh, my first year of, of professional speaking, I decided, first of all, I need to get reps. Like the only way you get good at anything is getting reps. And in speaking, uh, there's a huge difference between getting reps in your living room, just talking to yourself and actually being in front of a live audience. So my very first year, I said, I'm not going to say no to anything. I will speak anywhere to anyone at any time for any fee because I want to get these reps. And while I was doing that, I was able to figure out who my tribe was. Uh, who, who was the audience that would most align and resonate with my message? And I found that it's a few different groups. Um, one, it, it's equal between males and females, that I haven't found any difference between the two. Uh, anyone that's in a leadership position, so anyone that's been given a power of authority, uh, whether it's a C-suite executive, a manager, a director, a supervisor, but anyone that is in charge of other people, uh, I found that my message resonates really highly with them. I've also found it resonates with folks in sales. Uh, anyone that's selling anything, whether it's a service or a product, uh, they tend to ha have a nice alignment with the athlete mindset. They respect the process. They understand the importance of relationships. They value repetition. They get how important it is to practice. So I found sales professionals have been really great. And then the third, and this one is the one that actually surprised me, uh, were folks in HR. You know, many people think HR is simply, uh, you know, the, the folks that are in charge of compliance, uh, but HR is really the gatekeeper to the culture of most companies. Uh, they're responsible for so many of the ins and outs and things during the unseen hours that most people don't see to really keep a company's culture tight. And since a good portion of what I speak on is culture, uh, I found that HR folks uh, really resonate. And then with that said, Certainly any group or any person that has a strong appreciation for sport usually is an easier sell for me, but I've worked really hard to make sure that I can be just as impactful for people that, that don't like sports, don't watch sports, or don't care about sports um, because I work hard to paint the picture and connect the dots and say, okay, you might not know who Kobe Bryant is. You might not even care who Kobe Bryant is, but the lesson that I learned from him let me show you how to apply that to your life and your craft so that you can be better. And, and that's taken a couple of years to really be able to translate that message, but I feel great about it now. You know, there's so many more things I want to get to, but we're, we're short on time because you got a really busy schedule today. So I want to wrap up with um, uh, one final question. And this, this one, it, it kind of it bothered me because I had this young girl, a Christian artist, call me. And um, she reached out to me a while back and she was really concerned about success and the lack of it or her definition of success. And she, she said her parents were, you know, from Italy and they were looking at her doing this singer-songwriter thing and saying, what's going on? You've been doing this a couple of years now and we don't see anything happening. And she, you know, I took her through my version of what I felt she should be doing and what she should, how she should think about this. But to her, I think as a youngster, 25 years old, she was like beating herself up about, you know, I'm not tops of the pops or the, you know, on the voice and winning everything. So I think for the benefit of our listeners out there, whether they be author, speakers, thought leaders, uh, singer, songwriters, whatever, definition of success 
in your opinion, should be what? <laughs> well, what you just teed up so perfectly is I firmly believe that everyone should define their own success, that um, it's so easy to fall into the trap of letting society dictate what we think is success. Um, and a lot of that comes through playing the comparison game. And, and that's, I'm a huge advocate of social media. I, I use social media to connect. I use it to share. I use it to learn. Uh, but one of the downsides of social media is I think it unconsciously pressures us to play the comparison game. So as you just said with this young lady, she's comparing herself to someone that's in, you know, on the billboard top 100, or she's comparing herself to the person that just won the voice. And when she plays that comparison game, she's going to fall short and then therefore doesn't feel good about herself. Well, same thing for me. I mean, if you compare my accolades and book sales and Instagram followers to the gentleman you mentioned earlier, Tony Robbins or Brendan Burchard, well, then I'm going to feel real bad about myself because I'll pale in comparison to what they've done. So I simply don't play that game. Yeah. Uh, I define my own success. And, and for me, success and happiness um, have a very interesting relationship that I, I believe that if you wake up every day and you are happy and you're fulfilled, you feel like you're pouring into others and are of service in some way to the world and you have strong relationships, uh, to me, those are the things that are most important. And having a purpose, doing work that you consider meaningful work that, that brings you alive and allows you to be your best self, I think if you mix all of that stuff up together, that's how I define success. And then the cool part is I found that when I focus on relationships, on serving others, on doing work that I think is meaningful, on relentlessly pursuing the best version of myself. When I do those things, then the stuff that most people consider success, you know, um, financial wealth or uh, social followings or prestige or accolades, those things tend to just fall into place if you keep your focus on the other stuff. So um, to me, you know, being happy, fulfilled, doing meaningful work that I enjoy, having a lifestyle that allows me to spend quality time with my children and pour into audiences. Uh, that's, that's how I define it. And uh, I'll occasionally get caught playing the comparison game, but I'm so quick now to find it. And I just chuckle at myself and just say, all right, Alan, knock it off because this doesn't serve any purpose. So um, it, it's, it's an interesting one because I, I know it'll sound like I'm lacking humility if I say that I do believe I have a successful life, but I do. But I also want to say it that I'm not content or complacent with where I am now. I want to deepen my relationships. I want to do even more meaningful work. I want to reach even more people. So I don't think success, at least for me, there is no end line. There is no, well, when I get to this, I'll be a success and then we can all throw me a party and it'll be over. You know, I don't know that I'll ever reach what it is that I'm, I'm currently pursuing and I'm okay with that. But being in love with the journey and the process is what I consider success. Amen. I'm with you on that, my friend. That's, uh, that's why the Lord tells us, do not judge and do not compare. We are all completely unique individuals. Um, Alan, last thing, uh, where should we go, uh, everybody, to support your brand? I love your website, by the way. Should we send people to the website? Is that the best place to connect with you? Yeah, and, and I actually have two different websites. So anyone that's interested in kind of the speaking stuff that I do uh, is alansteinjr.com. If you have a specific interest in my book, Raise Your Game, you can go to raiseyourgamebook.com, uh, and I share all of the secrets of high performance. Uh, and I say that with a wink because when you read it, you'll realize there are no secrets, that everything in that book is stuff people have probably heard before uh, and probably already know, but there's a good chance they're not doing it. And I hope the book helps them do it. Uh, and then I, I'm very active on social media, so I'm simply at Alan Stein Jr. 
on all of the major social handles and love connecting with folks like yourself and, and having these fun conversations. We will have all of those in the show notes for, for all you folks. And uh, I just want to thank you so much, Alan. I really enjoyed this. We could spend like another hour. I mean, I mean, I just love the things. Uh, there's a lot of parallel paradigms here, which I'm really enjoying. So uh, I just want to ask um, God's blessing on you, your family, your children, and your brand. And happy birthday, my friend. I appreciate you so much, James. This was a lot of fun. And maybe one day you'll have me back on because I'd actually like to ask you a bunch of questions. I know uh, the purpose of this was for you to shine a light on some of the things I'm doing, but you're an incredibly fascinating guy. And, and I would love to learn about your past and, and what you've experienced because I know there are nuggets and things that, that I would find tremendous value in as well. I appreciate that so much, Alan. All right, my friend. God bless. Have a great day. Thank you. You as well. We recorded this broadcast three days before the tragic and untimely death of Kobe Bryant. I was so happy to have Alan on the show. Um, not being a huge basketball fan, but who doesn't know Kobe Bryant and um, the things that he's accomplished. So to find out about his high performance and how he approached his game and his life was um was truly a great lesson for myself and so many out there listening, I'm sure. So thank you, Alan, for sharing that. And don't forget, pick up Alan's book, Raise Your Game. Talked about a lot of things today. We talked about Brendan Bouchard, Tony Robbins, high performance, top three disciplines that it takes to be successful. What defines success in your mind? Coaching brings opportunities and for those of you who uh, listen to that my, that quick story about Matt O'Ree you can pick that up on DE 239 and hear um, him and the boss in the studio uh, working Matt's song Black Boots so cool you'll love that uh, interview by the way I'd like you to go over to the Dharmic Evolution Facebook community page and take a look at the artist's the authors, the speakers, the thought leaders that are on that site, you can support them and follow their content. And if you're an artist, you can put your content up there. Do you have a new book or a song? Do you have a speaking engagement, a video? Show us what you're doing. We'd love to support you. Also, check out dharmicevolution.com and see any one of the 255 episodes, the songs, the, um, the bios, the photographs, I think you'll really enjoy it. That's a wrap for me today. I'm your host for the Dharmic Evolution, James Kevin O'Connor, singer, songwriter, audio, video, artist, master storyteller, and international talent agent. So until the next time when we meet again, I'll either see you on the socials or I'll see you from the stage. <laughs>